Hello and welcome to the Catholic Duluth Show. The Catholic Duluth Show is a parish community podcast serving the parishes of St. Lawrence and Holy Family in Duluth, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Daniel Rhoda, and with me I have Father Eli Kieske. How are you doing today, Father? Good, good. Happy Solemnity. Yes, happy Solemnity of the Immaculate Conception of the Blessed Virgin Mary, right? Is that, is that its official I think, title? I think that's the full title, yeah. Okay. Well done, Daniel. Thank you. Thank you. I was, I was studying it yesterday. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a great feast of our church, and I think it's kind of always been one of my favorites, just like personally. Um, yeah, it's just uh, yeah, a great a great celebration for our church. So today we're gonna you know we're gonna celebrate it and we're gonna talk about it. Yeah, we were just eating some muffins, yeah. banana muffins to celebrate, banana cake muffins. They were like banana muffins, but they have frosting on top. So yeah, they were very good. Very so good. So we hope you are also celebrating uh, the solemnity in you know in some some form of eating banana cake muffins. Yeah, thank you, Teresa Peterson. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, before we get in and, you know, talk all about the Immaculate Conception and understand everything perfectly, um, we have a couple things going on this week. Yeah. We have religious ed back in session for the older kids this, this Wednesday. So, uh, seven to eight, eight thirty, maybe it's eight thirty. whatever it starts at seven with the older kids. And then, um, uh, we have some funerals Thursday and Friday. Saturday. Oh, in case that one person, somebody asked me what time the funeral was on Saturday, it's at, at not at 11, it's at 10. So the neighbor of Jan Radich, sorry, I told you the wrong time. Uh, yeah, Ho- hopefully you're listening or you have a friend that friends. will tell you yeah. something. Yeah, par- yeah. Par- yeah, um, yeah, and then uh, uh, next week for Faith Formation, yeah, there's right. um, Exalt, which is also at seven, but it's not here, it's at the cathedral. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure, cathedral. And there's confessions, music, adoration, just basically a night of coming and exalting in the Lord's goodness. So, yeah. Yeah, so that's, um, I think it was, I went to one of them last year. Okay. I yeah. think it was at St. Ben's. And yeah, yeah, it was a really cool experience. So, yeah. Hopefully um, it'll be a good, good night. Many confessions heard, much grace offered. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, but other than that, you know, we're coming, we're in the second week of Advent, coming on to. Gaudete Sunday. Gaudete, yeah. Rejoice. Yeah, so... Uh, Everybody gets to wear rose, as Father Ryan would say. I, yeah. I, I'm i all about the rose, but it is mostly looking pink most of the time. Like, our yeah. candle here especially looks very pink to me, not so much rose. Yeah. And, I mean, I would say when it comes to color, I'm a, like... You know, people say, like, oh, they're different shades. Or, mm-hmm. like, my parents right now are building a house, and so... Mm-hmm. My mom has, you know, six different little like color palette things, oh, yeah, or, sure, sure. or you but know, like, like, this one or this or like one? yeah, do you like this one or this one or this one. I'm like, they're all white, you know. There's not, you know, grades of like white. like morning fog or something. I like, no, yeah. it's it's white. So <laughs> that's uh, but th- that's the way I, I see color. Sure. So in, uh, what's your opinion of our uh, vestments and our candle? Do you remember? It looks pink to me. Yeah, yeah. Call it spade to spade. Yeah. So. You know, we but shall, we shall call it rose when we're in church because that's the proper thing to do. But yes, hmm. anyway. Yes. So uh, so yeah, we're you know kind of in the middle of Advent right now, and I hope yeah. everyone's having a good Advent. Uh, it's a uh, you know fun time, fun time in the in the church. So yeah, getting ready. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I guess before we before we start up, 
Father, would you open us in a prayer? Sure. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. On the solemnity of our mother, we ask her prayers. We give thanks for God's great gift that she has that he has given to us through her. We thank you for our mother, for the role that she has played in our salvation. And we pray, Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of mercy, mercy, our life, our, our sweetness, and our hope. To thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To thee do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. Turn then, most gracious advocate, thine eyes of mercy towards us, and after this our exile, show unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary, pray for us, Holy Mother of God, and we, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Amen. amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. And we upgraded the prayer today because it's solemnity, so I thought we would just do something a little special for our mother, you know. Mm-hmm. Usually we just do Hail Mary. I love Hail Mary, but, yeah, we can do something mm-hmm. special now and then. So. I almost fumbled the, the, the ending yeah. of it. I, yeah, you know. Right. Well, but when you're by yourself. We got it, though. Yeah, we got it. It was prayed and it was valid. <laughs> yeah, and I was just, I was just um, it just kind of came to me. If anyone's wondering, like, oh, what, you know, what's, I forgot what the difference between a, you know, a solemnity and a normal feast day is. We had a podcast episode about that. Yes, that's right. So it was, I Go think, back in the records. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was one of the, the first ones, like, after you got here, I yeah, think. I think you're right. What we yeah. did, so. and, and if you came to RCIA last week, we touched on it as well. So many often, many, many opportunities to understand liturgical lingo. Yeah, yeah. And so this is, yeah, a great, a great feast. Um, and just, it's, it's kind of the height or I, I guess it, it's one of two solemnities that are kind of specifically focused on Mary, correct? Because there's this one and then January 1st, which yeah. is just Holy Mary, Mother of God. Yep. And then we also have the Assumption, which is August 15th. Okay. Yeah. okay. So yeah. those are the holy days. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so yeah, it's a, it's one of the big ones. Yeah. One of the big ones. So if you want to honor our mother, which you should, this is a good day yeah. to, to do so. Although this is probably one of the the rare times where it's not a holy day of obligation, right? right. Because of uh, just everything going on with uh, with COVID, yeah. and I mean, no masses are I guess mandatory obligatory. or obligatory yeah. Yeah. at this point. So, um, but going uh, maybe let's start off with going into the history of the Immaculate Conception, mm-hmm. and uh, at, and maybe even starting off with what does the, that mean immaculate yeah, yeah. conception yeah so yeah it's a great question there's there's a lot that could be said um so let's just talk about the terms immaculate conception i think most people know what conception means like okay the sperm and the egg come together normal and a normal thing uh with jesus we talk about a little different the holy spirit comes upon mary and she conceives by the holy spirit so um when we talk about mary's conception now we are talking about uh saint anne and joachim her parents coming together, but Mary was preserved from original sin, and that's why we call it the Immaculate Conception, without stain, without blemish. That's what that term Immaculate means. Um, if you're over in Italy and you drink coffee, there's a drink called something, a spot of coffee, I forget what it's called, like you, macchiato or something? So, yeah, spot is uh, macula. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's probably the American Americanized yeah, yeah, version. Yeah, but. yeah, so sometimes people think, oh, so that can help you if it helps you to remember like oh a spot of coffee but this is spotless yeah immaculate not a spot of but it's without spot without wrinkle without blemish so the immaculate conception means that mary was conceived by her parents without original sin uh, affecting her so god gave her a special grace by which that was accomplished and that grace was given 
before Christ's passion, before his death and resurrection and so forth, but in light of it. So um, in a sense, God is outside of time, so he can, he can take that grace and apply it to Mary before the fact. And so it might seem a little strange to think about it that way, but that's, that's what, what the church has always taught and believed, that God preserved Mary by the graces, by the merits of Christ that he knew would already take place. And so why is that important? We'll get into that. But um, history, um, so where to start? I think maybe to start when it when it was declared a dogma, which was actually fairly late in life here. So 1854, is that what we determined? Yeah. Uh, Pius IX, uh, who was Pope at the time, and uh, he declared it a dogma, meaning um, you, you are bound to believe this as a Catholic. You have to believe that Mary was immaculate conceived. Um, and why is that important? We'll, again, we'll get into that, but um, so that was defined 1854, which is pretty late, right? It's almost, I mean, 18, 18, 1854 is a long time after Jesus was born, a long time after Mary was born. So why the delay? Well, the delay comes from the church has always taught this and believed this. Like if you go to the church fathers, like the early church fathers, we'll talk about Mary's uh, virginity, perpetual virginity, her immaculate conception, these kinds of things. Um, but it's it's not declared as a dogma until this point because it's not being challenged or it's not it's not um, come to the point where the church feels like we need to clarify this or we it seems like people are wondering about this or or confused about this or we've been wrestling with what is God revealing in this matter so whatever it is depends on what's happening in the church and the world when we when the church decides to declare something a dogma or clarify something it's often because it's been kind of talked about or discussed. So um, if you look at the Marian doctrines, they kind of come together over time, but they're they're always stemming from what we believe about Mary. And so we're really celebrating the grace that God gave to Mary and the instrument that Mary has become for our salvation, um, not like some merit that, that Mary has gained on her own. So we always have to remember that Mary is the instrument, perfect instrument of God. And so we celebrate and give thanks that God has used her in this way and that she said yes, that she uh, cooperated in this, um, that, you know, as Christ was uh, conceived in her womb, she was able to say that perfect yes because she was preserved from original sin, from actual sin, by this immaculate conception of her her conception. So, um, yeah, did I answer the question? Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's uh, concise. A good, a good, uh, and, and just like a, gl- a good kind of backstory a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, from my understanding, there was always kind of a feast for her conception, but not specifically her immaculate conception. Sure, sure. And probably not universally celebrated by the church. Yeah. So sometimes local places will have celebrations, and then at a certain point the church says, let's make this a universal feast. So, And I feel like I saw, I saw this too, but isn't um, like today that like this feast of the immaculate conception like a very North American, like it's like yes. maybe has special... Um, like it's a special feast specifically for us. Yes, indeed. So if you read the bulletin column this weekend, I talked about that oh, briefly. But great, the, I didn't even know that. <laughs> the, the U.S. bishops uh, back in, ooh, it was back in, a ways back, you know, early early in our country, so maybe the middle of the 19th century somewhere, so not too, too long after the Immaculate Conception was made um, a dogma, they asked, they declared that, Mary, under the title, Mary has lots and lots of titles, 
um, under the title of the Immaculate Conception would be our patroness, the patroness of our nation. And so the bishops, uh, you know, voted on that, talked about it, and said, yes, this, we want to, to put ourselves under her patronage. And then that was confirmed by uh, the Pope a year later. So I want to say, again, early, early, uh, not too long after Mary was, or the dogma was declared. So, um, so because of that, it's a holy day of obligation in our nation, and a, a day when we take special sort of, um, she's our patron. She's our, the patroness of our whole nation. And so um, she's, she's definitely close, we're close to her under that title, which, you know, that could be another story. What does that mean to be under the patronage of someone? So, um, but yeah, and I don't know if we were going to jump into this later, but maybe I'll just bring it up right now. So maybe you've heard of Lourdes, St. Bernadette. We have a sister, Bernadette. So we have St. Bernadette. Um, had apparitions of Mary in Lourdes, France, four years after this dogma was declared. So the church declared this a dogma in 1854, 1858. Now I believe it's 1858. I'd have to double check to be sure. But um, she had these apparitions of Mary. She didn't know it was Mary. It was just a lady with a rosary, praying rosary in a white garment. So she was praying the rosary and she encouraged St. Bernadette who wasn't St. Bernadette at the, at the time, she was just a young girl, pray the rosary and so forth. And eventually, uh, Mary revealed to Bernadette, I am the Immaculate Conception. She called herself that because she was told, Bernadette was told, ask who she is, find out who this lady is who's appearing because there was kind of this controversy, controversy as we like to say, uh, about this little girl, this little farm girl, this little girl who didn't really even know French she spoke like the local dialect of Lourdes. And so when she came to the priest and said, this is what she called herself, like she didn't know what Immaculate Conception means, but that's what Mary said, is I am the Immaculate Conception. She said it in her own dialect. And so when the priest heard that and the bishop heard that, they were like, oh, like this young uneducated girl is using this title. That probably means something. So it's interesting, Mary confirms the church's uh, declaration of the dogma as a way of kind of saying yes you're right like you you can call me the immaculate conception i am the immaculate conception i was immaculately conceived so it's another whole side story of kind of interesting how god spoke through mary in that way to kind of confirm this dogma that had just been declared a few years before so yeah that was kind of a tangent but hopefully it was okay yeah yeah i think it's good though because it, it helps because uh I'm trying to think right now what the definition of a dogma is. I, I've wrote it down. Yeah. Um, it's a truth revealed by God, which the magisterium of the church declared as binding. Yes. So that's the, kind of the mm-hmm. official, like... Meaning we have to believe it. We're bound in faith to believe it. Um, it's not something... So there are some things that can be not binding. You know, the church... Um, actually, most apparitions are not binding. You don't have to believe in them. You don't have to even say that they were real. You could say, well, I'm not sure, or there's not enough evidence. And the church says, well, that's okay. If you don't, like, because everything we have in Revelation is enough for us to be saved, right? So we don't need these other things. Private revelations, they're great for that person. Or even these apparitions that happen that are for the whole church, they're helpful, but they're not required. So if that makes sense. So things that are dogma it's declared you you day fide you have to believe it you're 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 called to believe it if you don't believe it or you don't 
you're struggling with it, something you should really work on and, and keep asking for guidance and, and trust. St. Augustine puts it this way, I think, I'd rather trust the church and what she says, even if I don't believe it or have, having a hard time believing it, I will, I will trust the church's word. And on things like dogma, that's, that's a good way to operate. You know, of course, we want to keep struggling, trying to understand. Help me understand, Lord. Pray, asking. I'm having a hard time, whatever it is, whether it's the Eucharist, whether there's things about Mary, whether it's, um, you know, how does grace work, et cetera, et cetera, purgatory, whatever it is. You know, we can have our personal struggles, but um, there are certain things that the church says, you must believe this. Um, this is part of our faith. So it's so so foundational, I guess. So. Yeah. And I think that's a good kind of... Uh, like stepping stone to get into or deeper into the Immaculate Conception. And I think I want to talk a little bit about like why is it important that Mary was conceived without sin? Yeah. Because, um, yeah, just just thinking about like kind of thinking out loud. It's just like why, why is it so important? Because Mary isn't the Savior. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, I think people could see like oh yeah jesus was without sin that makes sense he's yeah. the savior yeah. but why don't we mary's, talk about his immaculate conception yeah yeah like mary's uh like mary was you know very important to the church and i think everybody gets that for the most part mm-hmm. but why was it so important and why do we celebrate it so much that she was immaculately, immaculately conceived yeah. yeah yeah no this is it's a good question because like you said um God could have done it otherwise, right? He didn't have to make Mary immaculately conceived. Uh, he could have just, God could have appeared. He didn't even have to use a woman to become a person. He could have just, you know, become a man or come down or whatever. But in God's wisdom and providence, he comes as he did. Um, and because he came as he, as he did, um, it's easier for us to relate to him and understand him and uh, make sense. So Mary is kind of like the perfect vessel for Jesus to come to us. She's prepared in a special way to be the mother of God. We can actually call her, and that's one of the titles that we call her, is the mother of God. She's not just a, you know, sometimes the Protestants or other Christians or even Catholics sometimes will sort of sort of uh, belittle Mary or kind of make like her role not so important or they kind of say, well, she was basically just a, a funnel that Jesus came to the world through or something like that. They diminish her role. Um, in a, a lot of times what they're trying to do is protect the importance of Jesus and say, we don't want to spend time with Mary. Uh, we want to focus on Jesus. And I can understand that thinking, but at the end of the day, God chose Mary. Jesus came to us through Mary. Uh, if God gives this grace to Mary and invites us to honor her, I think we ought to, you know, it's not, it's not like we decided ourselves, like, Jesus, you're great, but we really want to spend a lot more time getting to know your mother, and we, we want to spend time, um, you know, worshiping Mary and so forth. No, it's, it's not that at all. It's, if God honors Mary and gives her this grace and calls her, you know, the Immaculate Conception, we too should have this same honor for Mary. You know, it kind of goes back to the thing of sometimes people don't like the fact that we pray to saints or... Uh, that we pray to Mary instead of Jesus or something like that. There's sort of this competition idea rather than, well, she's a good person to pray to. She 
she knew, she she's closest of all the people who have ever lived to Jesus. He's his mother. Um, you know, we ask people here on earth to pray for one another. I ask my friend to pray for me. I ask my family to pray for me. You know, people come to me all the time. Father, can you pray for my whoever? They're they're sick or they're whatever. Yes, I'll pray for you. Um, if we can do that on on earth. Why would we not do that with the saints, and especially with Mary, the mother of God, who's closest to her son? So, all that to say, uh, why is the Immaculate Conception important, or why does it make sense, is God prepared Mary in a special way uh, to be this vessel that could bring forth Christ. And it makes sense, um, just like, it, um, this might be a, a, another analogy, or, or it's a real re example, I guess, at the Mass, when we when we bring the vessels, the sacred vessels for Mass, like the chalice and the paten, um, we want to make sure they're clean. Like we don't we don't just and, and we we purify them after Mass. We clean them um, because we don't want to put we don't want to just come up here with our dirty dish. Like that's why you don't use pottery. Some some churches use pottery, but you're not supposed to use pottery. That's why you don't use like your kitchen dishes or your plastic plates or you know, sometimes in, in some churches they use, you know, for communion, they have little communion sets where they have like a little Dixie cup or whatever, like, like, no, we don't do that. Like, as Catholics, we believe this is the body and blood of Christ. And so we want a perfect, as, as, as good of a vessel as we can afford and, and get. So it should be some kind of precious metal, silver, gold, bronze, these kinds of things, or at least plated. Um, in the same way, God prepared Mary to be this perfect vessel, or as good a vessel as we could have as humanity. Um, and so she's preserved from original sin, the stain of sin, so that Jesus, as he's being conceived in her womb and growing in her womb, um, is in this appropriate vessel. That's a, one of her titles is the Ark of the Covenant. Um, you know, think of that, how, how the Jews honored the Ark of the Covenant and had that in a special place. And even if you read, um, I think it's in Revelations chapter 11 or 12, where they talk about a sign appeared in the sky was, and the Ark of the Covenant was there. What they're, it's kind of like hidden language for Mary. They're talking about Mary. Mary is there. And so anyway, I'm kind of getting off track, but the whole idea is God wanted to prepare a special place for Jesus to come into the world, and Mary is that place. So that's why she's immaculately conceived. Yeah. And when I was when I was younger, some I would, you know, was, I had this thought uh, that like every once in a while it still kind of creeps into my head. And I kind of like argue with myself about, but I was like, well, if Mary was conceived without sin, which you know she was given this special grace, so she, um, and but she was, you know, so, so she was sinless. I was like, well, <laughs> like that kind of makes her life not as impressive yeah. because she didn't, you know, she didn't have to have to deal with. With sin, oh, the weakness, concupiscence, yeah. all those things. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, I've kind of over my life, I've gone kind of back and forth on that. Just, yeah. just like wh whether that's like an actual like argument or not. But, sure. but I've always just kind of thought, like, yeah, well, you know, maybe if I was conceived without sin, I'd be, you know, I could be pretty, pretty awesome. Know, I, I could be, yeah, I could be sinless too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was actually during, uh, during your homily earlier today, you were talking about how uh, when she. So like she was basically in the state that Adam and Eve were before the fall, right? right? They're they're that's she was ba yeah basically the same, 
um, state as that. And, you know, Mary's kind of known as like the, the, the new Eve. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It's one of the titles. And uh, so I, I think like it's important to have that kind of thought and understanding because like Mary still could have sinned. She still could have said yeah. no to God, like to be the mother of Jesus. Like she, yeah. she could have, she st- still had that freedom, even though she was given the grace to not right have sin that doesn't mean that she didn't ex- i guess experience it or was tempted right right, right. just like uh, eve and and adam were born without sin and in a sense had that freedom the full freedom to say no to temptation no to the devil and yes to god uh they chose not to right and they chose not to so mary like you said is, is just as free was just as free to sin or to do other things um, but she also had that grace that gave her, you and I, we, we all struggle with concupiscence, which is this tendency to sin. Um, it's an effect of the original sin. And it doesn't mean we always sin, but it means that we are we fall more easily into it. Our, our intellect is darkened. We're not, we're not as clearly able to see the effects of everything, of our choices. Sometimes we're kind of, we kind of can talk ourselves into like, well, it's not so bad. We can sort of justify our sins sometimes. Um, so Mary would have been able to see a little bit more clearly the effects. But there are lots of times in her life when she had to just say yes to God, when there was not clarity, like what's going to happen. Like if you, if you just read the New Testament, the first few chapters, or uh, you think of the crucifixion, or you think of, um, you know, when they had to go to uh, Bethlehem on Christmas Day, and you think about that, like, gosh, Lord, I'm supposed to be the mother of God, and here I am having to go all the heck way down to Bethlehem and um, no place to stay. Obviously, they weren't they weren't super rich or anything because the way they were traveling and the way where they were staying kind of indicates that. And then they had to flee to Egypt. So lots of things where she had to just trust in God. And she could have just said, you know what? I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to cooperate with this. I'm, I'm going to go my own way. I'm going to try to find a different way to, to deal with these problems that I'm experiencing. But she, in her poverty, in her humility, she always trusted in God. She always said, okay, this is happening. God, you have a way out of this. You have a way forward in this. And so I, I trust in you. And so that's why her, her response to Gabriel today in the, in the gospel is so powerful. Let it be done to me according to your word. I mean, that's kind of her, her constant um, message to us and her, her constant answer to God is let it be done to me according to your word. And if we could follow that as well as she did, um, yeah, we, we would be in a much better place, but so often we choose not to. And so that's, that's a challenge for us. And she's an example to us because of that. So, yeah, yeah. She's how I, you know, I think I've always viewed marriage as like a great model for us. And yes, you know, she had that special grace that we don't have, but that doesn't mean that we can, you know, I feel like it's, it's harder to relate to Jesus sometimes because of he was God, mm-hmm. or he mm-hmm. is God, not was. Um, but, like, we know that Mary is 100% human, mm-hmm. and so that's kind of a, a little bit easier to relate to, um, which is always, yeah, you know, a good, which which I think is another good reason um, that Jesus and the church kind of tells us to, you know, get to know her and Right. And gives us all these different uh, resources to really use, uh, or I mean, not use her, but 
but um, come but to know her. yeah, come to know her yeah. and be you know united to, to Jesus through her, yeah. because because of that. Yeah. And I think she, in her humanity, in her life, in a sense, it's it it almost be harder to be her because she she is preserved from sin. And so she can see the brokenness of humanity around her. She lives in a fallen world just like we do. Because we're fallen, we, sometimes we don't see how bad it is or we don't we don't see the wretchedness of ourselves or other people maybe as clearly. But if you think about it, like she was preserved from original sin. She was preserved from concupiscence. She never sinned. So, and yet she's so humble in front of it all and, and, and so, uh, you know, open to everything everything that God called her to, uh, you would think, and this is sort of the sin of, of Satan, right, and the fallen angels, is that they they thought they could do it better. They, they, they had special graces, they had special gifts, and because of that, they thought they could do things better, and so they tried to rebel against God, and um, how often do we do that in our lives? So Mary, despite this great gift, despite the brokenness of the world around her, doesn't try to fix it, everything on her own or doesn't try to use her special gift for herself, but continually offers it back to God. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it is an interesting thing to, to contemplate and meditate upon this sinlessness of Mary and yet the fact that she so willingly went along with God's plan. And, and so it's a good reminder to us. Yeah. Definitely. Absolutely. Um... Do you have any final thoughts or any closing closing ideas? Sure. I would I'm just encouraged, kinda of like I did at the homily today, I just encourage people to have a relationship with Mary. Um I don't know if it's fallen out of favor, or maybe there's more people that I realize that that, that have a relationship. Maybe I'm just not aware of all the ways that people have a relationship with Mary, but I know for myself it was something that took a long time to sort of try to do and really think I needed and uh, desire, and I still I'm still working on it. Um, but I just really encourage you: don't see Mary as just one of the saints. Don't just see her as a, like an optional thing as Catholics. Look at Mary as an essential. Like you need to have a relationship with your mother, with your heavenly mother. God has given. Uh, special graces through her and in her and so ask Mary for the grace to know her to follow her to uh, to be led by her ask for her help God has chosen to work through her and so uh, in as much as that's the, that's the truth and that's a reality we need to um, reach out to her and come to know her and come to follow her so just encourage you to, to develop a relationship with Mary yeah, that's great. And reminds me of I don't I forget who says this, but some saint says, "Never be afraid of loving Mary too much. You can never love her more than Jesus did." Right, right. Yeah, I forget uh, who said that. But yeah, yeah. And I I think that's always good because sometimes you know if we do get in the the competition sort yeah, of idea, yeah, yeah, and that's that's a common fear that we we have, and um, yeah, it's another topic for another day, but. Yeah, loving other people, loving Mary, loving the saints is never going to make us love God less. Like love doesn't, it's not like there's only a certain amount. The more we have, the more we get. So the more we yeah. give, the more we get. So And I mean, this could be something for another day too, but just the thought of 
like all these, you know, solemnities as we say, like, yes, this is to celebrate Mary, but even more so, it's made to celebrate Jesus. Right. You know, it's just Jesus through Mary. And same with all, you know, St. Feast Days and mm-hmm. everything that's not kind of specifically centered around like a, a feast for something that Jesus did. Mm-hmm. It's like we're celebrating maybe this person or in this case, Mary, mm-hmm. but more of what actually Jesus did through her. Right. Right. What, what, we're, we're giving the glory to God for the things that he's done and giving thanks for what he's done. So, yeah, it all all reflects back to God. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you again, Father, for your uh, great wisdom. And uh, thank you all for listening. And we hope you have a great uh, end of the second week of Advent.